But the issue that, that is scaring economists and people is the second kind of inflation, which is sometimes called the wage price spiral, where people come to expect inflation, they demand higher wages. When they demand higher wages, that leads to higher prices, which then leads to even more demands for higher wages. And that wage price spiral, if that gets ignited, that could lead to long-term permanent, more or less permanent inflation like we had in the 70s and 80s. And that's what why the Federal Reserve right now is starting to do is, is accelerate their taper where they're buying less and less uh, securities. They're pumping less and less money into the economy. And where many people think by April of next year, 2022, by April 2022, they'll actually start raising interest rates. And they're going to raise interest rates because they want to they head off at the pass that wage price spiral. Thanks for subscribing to the ZonCon podcast, the podcast all about Amazon conversations. These are the tips and tricks to become an Amazon millionaire. Here is your host, Andrew Erickson. He is all things Amazon, and so is this podcast. Let's have an Amazon conversation. Hey, hey guys. Welcome back to the ZonCon podcast. This is your host, as always, Andrew Erickson. I am here with another Erickson, Dr. Christopher Erickson. He shares the same last theme as me because, Dr. Erickson, how are you connected to me? I am your father. And so, <laughs> so I'm the one. You should have done so... it. You should have done it Darth Vader style. Andrew, oh, I am I your am father. Your, I am your father. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that I take, that means I get to take uh, credit for all your successes and, and blame other people for your failures. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, I am luckily I I have a unfair disadvantage, sorry, unfair advantage from other people because I am the son of a professor of economics, and since this is a business related podcast, a small business podcast, I get to talk about business related stuff with a world expert in economics. So we have already talked to you, Dad, several times on the podcast. So we don't have to do a crazy big intro, but if you guys want to hear more from him, uh, I have all of his podcasts written down. Episode 41, what is opportunity cost? Episode 42, what is fixed and marginal cost? And this is actually a follow-up to episode 68. That episode is, that was that was in May of this year. So that was uh, seven months ago from time of recording. That episode was, are we about to see rapid inflation? And now it is seven months later, and we're going to talk about whether we are seeing rapid inflation and what that means to us as small business owners. So, Dad, thank you so much for being on here. The last episode, again, that was May, April, May, when we we recorded that. Why don't you tell us, where are we right now in terms of where we were back in late spring, and where are we now with inflation? Well... So first of all, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy uh, doing this, and you, and you, you've known me for a long time, Andrew, and you know I'm always a ham, so I'm always happy to to do this kind of stuff. And so the the most commonly used measure of inflation is the consumer price index for all urban consumers, all items. So the consumer price index, in general, is a uh, weighted average of the typical basket of expenditures by consumers and because it's a weighted average of, of a basket of purchases, it is um, possible to specialize it to particular societal groups. So the one we look at the most often, as I said, is the one that's specialized for urban consumers. 
Um, there's also might be one, there is one for Las Cruces, there's another one for the Western United States, there's one for people over 65, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Really? And, uh, but, I didn't know that they had like special demographic ones. Oh yeah, if you have the data and the and the resources and the federal, you can uh, construct uh, any kind of index you want. The, the hard part is determining what goes in the basket, what the weights are. Do you do it for, uh, so uh, uh, someone over 65 obviously con consumes more health care and um, less transportation typically uh, than someone who's uh, under 65. But they're, yeah, they, they're, so that they can be specialized by region, by demographic group and, and so on. So basically inflation, if I was explaining like I was five years old, we look mm -hmm. at a bunch of the shit that you bought last year and we look yep. at that same shit and see how much it changed this year versus last year. And whatever exactly. the change is, that's price. inflation. Yes. Yeah, no, that's so. So the that's how we figure out the change in the price. The change in the price is how much it cost last year versus how much how much it cost last year. A weighted average. You look at the shit you bought where the weights are determined by a survey. And calculate that weight average, and that is the CPI. That is the price level, the average price for a consumer for last year. You do the same thing for this year, and that's the price level for this year. Inflation is the percentage change in that price level. And so you just calculate the way you calculate any percentage. You take the price this year, and you net out the price last year, and divide by the price last year to get a percentage change. Perfect. So inflation is always a percentage change. It's not, it's not the price level. It's the change in percentage terms of the price level from the previous year, typically from the previous year. So how much stuff gets more expensive year over year? Yes. We're talking how it's more expensive year over year, or sometimes it's less expensive over year over year. In 2000, as, as recently as uh, 2010, we had um, deflation, which is negative inflation. And, well, my, uh, my iPhone gets cheaper every year and my car yeah, gets cheaper every and, year. Yeah, and, and that, of course, is a problem because uh, your iPhone also gets better every year. And so it's really hard. One of the big problems with the CPI is that it doesn't adequately account for quality improvements. And, um, uh, and so, so when the quality of something goes up, like I have, a, I have a car I recently purchased that has dynamic cruise control. Man, that's a much better car than a car that doesn't have dynamic cruise control. And, and Andrew, you've ridden the car for me many times, and you know that I'm one of those guys that can really benefit from dynamic cruise control. Well, I, I rode in your car so much that I actually bought the same car because I liked it yeah. <laughs> so much. <laughs> No, it's nice. Yeah. It turns that dynamic cruise control turns uh, terrible traffic into like easy traffic. Exactly. Yeah, that's so that's a brand new technology that needed brand new camera, whatever stuff to do. But yeah, that doesn't really get captured in, in inflation, right? It doesn't get adequately captured in inflation indexes. The inflation index says what happened to what you purchased last year versus what you purchased this year. But it really has a hard time saying what happens if you purchased a different cell, uh, iPhone this year that you did last year. Okay, but really has a hard time picking that up. So whatever inflation is, so we kind of have this basket of goods has a couple different things in it. So whatever it is, we kind of we can kind of in general we kind of want that to go up a little bit, but not too much, right? Yeah, and one of the reasons why I want it to go up a little bit is it actually overstates what economists call true inflation because it's a basket of goods, and that basket is held constant year after year. It's, it's updated every few years, but it's not updated every month. And if something becomes expensive, people tend to shift away from that 
to something else. I mean, the classic example is uh, people shifted from buying at malls, uh, shopping malls were uh, in department stores to shopping much more at Walmart. And that's not that kind of shift, which happens all the time in all different industries, all the time new products introduced that are less expensive than previous products and so on. The CPI doesn't pick that up very well because it's a fixed basket. It's not a dynamic basket. Hmm. And that's one of the reasons why we use something else. Economists tend to focus more on the personal consumption expenditure index, which is a measure of the change in the cost of all consumer goods without reference to whether it's a particular demographic group or a particular region of the country or what have you. Okay, can you say that again? Consumer, what was a consumer? Personal Consumption Expenditure Index. Personal Consumption Consumer Index. Okay, so for those who want to nerd out more on that, we'll make sure to include a link to the wiki article yep. on that. Yep, and you can, the, the best place to go for economic data is uh, something called FRED, which is the Federal Reserve Economic Data. And if you just search FRED data in Google, it'll it bring up thousands and thousands of data sets that are very, very easy to work with. If you're any kind of a data nerd, you'll, you'll just say, oh, why, why? if you don't know about this already, you'll say, oh, why, haven't, why hadn't someone told me about this before? So that's FRED, Federal Reserve Economic Data. So FRED data will bring that up in Google. Perfect. Okay. I found a good Investopedia. That's that for me always, that's always written at a really nice, uh, consistent, like sometimes Wikipedia has like really a lot of jargon in it, a lot of like complicated things and it gets me a little confused. So Investopedia is pretty good. I'll include a link in Investopedia for you guys. I agree. Investopedia is a really nice resource if you want to get a, a, a good, uh, quick definition. They sometimes leave out some details, but they're pretty good. Okay, so we now know kind of what inflation is and what it isn't and some of the issues we have with inflation and, and, and kind of, you know, it's not always exactly a perfect number, but at least it's a some indicator of something, right? So can you tell us yeah. where were we, the last episode, where were we, we were back in April, May, where were we and where are we now? So back last time I spoke to you, I'm just getting the data, looking the data up right now. In May, we were just below 5% inflation measured by the CPI. And, you know, the CPI and the Consumer Price Expenditure Index um, track each other very closely when it comes to inflation, but not perfectly. And the consumption, uh, a personal consumption expenditure index is a little bit lower. It was right at 4%. So there's about 1% difference in the measures. The CPI was at 5% and the personal consumption later was at uh, 4%. From, from now on, I'll just talk about the, C, about the CPI inflation just to keep things simple. So we, we were at 5%. 5% means 5% annually, a, annualized, right? That's right. So that would be like whatever that is in a month. So you'd see something like 0.5 or 0.3% um, in that month. Right, exactly. In that month, exactly. This is, this is called year-over-year inflation, which means we're comparing what the price level was 12 months previous to what the price level is now. And that's a very common measure of inflation. Also, you can talk about the monthly, the annualized monthly inflation rate, and that gives you a little so, bit different picture. It's a little bit more short term. Wait, okay. So if we had 5% in May, and we're, well, tell us, tell us where are we now? Right now, we're, we're at 6.9%, and uh, which is the highest level since uh, the 80s, right? 1982, I think it was well, February 1982, and then in, and then in March 1982 was essentially tied. 
Okay, wait. Let me, so high since let me think about that number. So if it's year over year and you have 5%, if you just had a 5% spike in March, then you would see that it would be every month after that would then report 5%, right? That's that's right. So that's right. So if it was 0, 0, 0, 0, 5%, 0, 0, 0, 0, that 5% would be carried forward for a while. But that's not what we're seeing. What we're seeing is a more or less constant increase in inflation okay. over the last several over the last year. Okay, um, so that means the world is imploding and the U.S. government's going to collapse and that Bitcoin's going to take over the world and the U.S. dollar, everyone's lost all faith in the U.S. dollar, right? So I have a different take on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you were going to guess that, right? <laughs> I actually think it's amazing. Capitalism is amazing. Markets are amazing. We had the largest disruption in production in our country's recorded history because of the pandemic. And look where we are. We're almost back to where we were before in terms of employment. We are in terms of unemployment rate. We're, we're actually producing more goods and services now than we were um, uh, before. And only 6% inflation, only or 6.9% inflation. That's fantastic. I mean, that's amazing. Now, could we have been super better, more careful, and maybe not gotten the 7% inflation? Did Trump make a mistake when he did two um, uh, stimulus checks? Did Biden make a mistake doing the third stimulus check? Maybe, but we're back to full employment. We have the economy roaring. It's amazing. And, he, and, and we didn't have people on the streets starving. People on the streets, we had people in, that, that were able to stay home and deal with the pandemic without them, uh, without markets collapsing, without the economy going in. Not, not, we went into a bad recession, but not a long-term recession. So I say we avoided what potentially could have been the Great Depression, 2021 style, and we avoided that. But in the process, we got 6% inflation. So people, come on, give us a break. We did a very good job. That said, that said, I wish we didn't have 7% inflation or 6.9% inflation. I wish we didn't have that. I wish we had inflation of around 3%. That, and, and does that mean that the third stimulus check probably wasn't needed? Maybe. Of course. What about the trillion dollar infrastructure bill? Uh, well, the trillion dollar infrastructure deal, bill is irrelevant to this discussion because A, the expenditure on it is in the future, and B, a trillion dollars on infrastructure is not that much compared to what we've been in over 10 years. A trillion dollars over 10 years is not a big deal. People go, oh, it's, it, it, you know, I'm going to pick on Senator Manchin for a second. That way I'm picking on both Democrats and Republicans since he's the Republicans' favorite Democrat. But Senator Manchin going, this is going to lead to inflation. I think either he's being disingenuous or doesn't understand economics. And in fact, a well-designed infrastructure bill should pay for itself by generating more income by either repairing roads that otherwise would become unusable or at least difficult to use and or by providing infrastructure such as high-speed internet that will increase productivity of parts of the country that currently are under underserved by internet. So it, it now you might say, well, it's not a well-designed infrastructure bill, to which my response is, it's the federal government. Give them a break. It's pretty good infrastructure, which is why it was bipartisan, right? 
And the other expenditures that are being talked about in Congress right now are the same way. A, they're in the future, so they didn't cause the inflation we're having now. And B, they're over 10 years. And, they're, and, and when you consider them over 10 years, they're very modest compared to the one-year expenditures that we've had and the two-year expenditures we've had under the various bills that were meant to keep the economy going. Now, you know, there's a lot of our, take for example, the um, PPP, which is what I, I'm trying to remember what PPP Paycheck stands Protection for. Plan. Yeah, Paycheck Protection Plan. Take the Paycheck Protection Plan. Many people have pointed out to abuses in that program. Many people have said that it was that it wasn't very targeted and that it, it cost a lot of money compared to what it could have been if it had been targeted perfectly. And that it and did that plan contribute to inflation? Of course it did. As much as anything else did. I mean, a dollar of government expenditure contributes to inflation like a dollar of government expenditure contributes to inflation. It doesn't matter what it's spent on. It, it's the same impact if it's buying goods and services. And the, the PPP is an amazing piece of legislature that I think did a lot to keep many, many small businesses in operation and continuing going forward. Yes, there were abuses. Yes, if it had been micro-targeted and you'd hired all these bureaucrats to administer it instead of doing it through bank loans, it would have been a lot more, uh, and I'm not sure it would have been less expensive because remember, we're paying all those bureaucrats. And it was amazing at keeping small business going. I think that these small businesses would have been wiped out with COVID had it not been for PPP and other programs similar. New Mexico has a, a state level program. I think California has a state level program too. I will say that we we benefited a lot from the PPP loan and we did some episodes on it. It's not, not really relevant anymore because the episodes were about like how to apply for it when it's already expired. So I wouldn't really listen to those, but they really benefited us a lot. We got something like 30,000, 40,000 from it. We did well during the recession, but we had a lot of supply constraint because the logistics was crazy in 2020 and in 21. And we didn't know what was going to happen in May, in April, in May. We, I didn't know, like the world was collapsing and everything, everyone was coming home. And, and we thought this three week pandemic turned, we thought it was going to be three weeks, but it ended up turning into like three months, which then ended up turning into 15 months or whatever, right? And like that PPP loan was a huge blessing to us and a lot of people that I know in this industry. Exactly. And, and, and that PPP, if we hadn't done PPP, we'd have less inflation now. Would that have been a good idea? I don't mm. think so. If we, it, the, same, the same argument applies to the unemployment benefits. Many, many people would have suffered from a severe hardship had they not had those unemployment benefits when they did. That is what unemployment is for. When someone is thrown out of work through no fault of their own, we keep them from suffering ca catastrophic setbacks in their financial position through unemployment insurance. I was and, telling someone just like a, just last week that uh, I was like, you know, unemployment benefits, they're not like this welfare thing that we're just doing out of charity. This is like the institution, the banks and the car loan people and the mortgage people. They don't want you to default on your mortgage and your car payment. And, and also, they don't want you to take your kid out of private school or, or stop spending money at the grocery store. Like, they want you to keep yes. spending that money. And they, that's why they give you that three-month in between jobs. To give you, they give you, like, what is it? Well, every state's different, but, like, half or two-thirds of your income just so you can keep paying your bills. I'm like, it's not a welfare program or welfare of society, maybe, but it's not really, like, a charity program. 
Yeah, well, it's a charity program for corporations that make loans. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, but I, okay, so, I, so let's let's focus now on small business people and also the particularly the Amazon sellers who are buying. Most people who listen to this are buying stuff in Asia and they're bringing it into the U.S. and Europe and they're selling it online. So, what does a seven percent inflation mean to us? Well, it means that you are that you can't. You, first of all, if your costs have gone up, you can pass those costs on. If your costs haven't gone up, but your competitors' costs have gone up, you can pass their costs on because they can't they can't compete with you if you have lower costs. And of course, I'm sure I'm, sure I'm preaching to the to the choir here. The big advantage small businesses have against their competitor is being a low cost provider. And so, if you can come up with a way of providing a product at low cost, of course, you also want to provide a quality product, but we assume your competitors are doing that too. In a competitive market, being the low cost provider, low price supplier is the key to being successful. And so, if to the extent that you're able to avoid inflation, that you're able to take actions that reduce your cost compared to your competitor, whatever those might be for your particular business, do that. But then realize that on average, your competitors going to have to raise their prices in the face of this inflation. And so um, I think that's uh, it's something to remember. And if you are having problems in your industry where people are not marking up the price and that makes it hard to, to pass on your prices, and that can happen in a competitive market, it's very difficult to raise your prices if your competitors don't. But inflation says that they're going to have to. This inflation says they're going to have to. So don't be afraid of inflation. Now, I'm not saying you can pass 100% of the inflation on. You may eat some of it in terms of profits. It depends on, I hate to say this because you know what economists is always going to say next, depends on supply and demand. It depends mm -hmm. on the demand conditions in your industry, how much of this you can pass on. If you have a very loyal customer base that are very insensitive to prices, you can pass on a lot more than if you're in a market where it's, where one customer considers your competitor the same as your as you, then it's harder to pass on the prices. So one thing I've kind of found is a little tricky is that I, I don't know what does inflation feel like because I will tell you right now that our our prices from China are staying relatively constant. Our fees from Amazon are constant. They have not changed it as of yet. But the big thing that we're feeling right now is the cost of shipping is going through the roof. For right. example, a 40-foot container, so a standard kind of like 18-wheeler size container, that used to cost about five, dollars $6,000 just for the freight of that. And now it's costing more like $20,000. Jeez. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly right. You see, you see inflation will rear its ugly head at the micro level. So at the macro level, it's, we talk about this average, but the micro level, it depends on the example you gave is a, a great example. Manufacturing in China hasn't changed. The cost of Amazon hasn't changed, but the shipping has changed. Well, I, and I don't want you to give me any state secrets, but I'm going to guess that if you, if, when you take into account the percentage that shipping counts for what you're for what you're doing, you say the price went up three times or four times. I was four x a shipping. Yeah. Four x, yeah, four x. So that four x might translate in your total cost of going up by seven percent. If not for you, for someone else, that's the way to work. 
Yeah, and, and you know, that's the thing is I've talked to a lot of people about that, and it is really frustrating because every uh, products are affected differently. So bulkier yeah. items get affected more more by that, right? Sure, and yeah. the uh, smaller items aren't. So I know some people who just stopped selling products that are kind of, you know, shoebox size because their cost was about a dollar, dollar fifty to ship them, and then that 4 x And on a product that costs $25, you know, that's a $5 whatever, like a five, five, six dollar increase in the cost, which then on a $25 product that kills it, unfortunately. Yep. Yep. But if it's something really small, I would say it's, I don't know, like what's something small, like a clothespins or something or like a small book or something like the cost. I mean, it's the I know a lot of people whose cost of, of shipping is less than one percent. So if you forex yep. that cost, you're only adding three percent, you know, three, four percent to it. So it's not like a crazy big number, but it's still still noticeable. Yeah, exactly. And, and of course, this micro level type of stuff on average is adding 7% to the cost of goods overall. And that's our 6.9% of the And these micro stories are happening all over the economy. My price, my cost went up 2%. His cost went up 20%. And you average them out. But this also illustrates another issue. And the question you might ask is how long is inflation going to last? And we can identify two major sources of inflation. The first source of inflation is this supply chain effect where the disruption of the supply chain, coupled with the U.S. government taking action to avoid major economic disruption, led to this relatively rapid inflation of 7%. But then there's also the fear that, and, 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 and I believe, I, I should mention, I've talked to, I've listened to some experts I've talked to people about this. I've looked at it myself, and I suspect that the supply chain disruption type of inflation is likely to peak in the first quarter or certainly by the second quarter of 2022. So this inflation, this is the short-term inflation, is going to dissipate, and that isn't a big worry. And it's a big worry, of course, if the pandemic continues, if there's disruptions and further disruptions in China, there's disruptions in Vietnam, Whatever it is, if the pandemic could cause another burst of the supply side disruptive inflation arising from uh, supply chain disruptions, that could happen again. And I think I've said on your podcast a couple of times, and I'll say it again right now, as goes the pandemic, so goes the economy. But right now, what's baked in the cake in terms of supply chain disruptions are likely to become much less important starting in the first quarter of next year or at worst the second quarter of next year but there's a second kind first of quarter, okay so so second quarter next year well i'm you, saying you by, i'm saying by july one by july one for sure but probably by april one you think the, the inflation will go down to closer to like two or three percent uh it'll move start moving in that direction i'm not willing to say when it's going to get to two or three percent but it will, we will have peaked in inflation and it will be declining. There's a second okay. kind of inflation. So, okay, all right, let's mark it down. Let's mark it, yeah. let's mark it here. It's the middle of December and you're predicting July, we should have very stable inflation by summer of 22. Actually, I'd say you're having declining inflation. Declining inflation, okay, got it. Yeah, so, so sometimes decrease it's decrease. <laughs> okay. Right, so we're talking about the second derivative. We're talking about the second derivative. Yeah, if you want to get okay, we just lost half the audience. When you say derivatives, we lost half the audience. So, so just it's all right, all right. inflation going down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't pay attention to what I just said. Yeah. So I'm saying that inflation will peak 
and begin de declining in the first quarter of 2021, that's by April 1st, or at the worst in the second quarter of 2021, or 2022, I should say, 2022, which is by July 1. But the issue that, that is scaring economists and people is the second kind of inflation, which is sometimes called the wage price spiral where people come to expect inflation, they demand higher wages. When they demand higher wages, that leads to higher prices, which then leads to even more demands for higher wages. And that wage price spiral, if that gets ignited, that could lead to long-term permanent, more or less permanent inflation like we had in the 70s and 80s. And that's what why the Federal Reserve right now is starting to do, is, is accelerate their taper, where they're buying less and less uh, securities they're pumping less and less money into the economy. And where many people think by April of next year, 2022, by April 2022, they'll actually start raising interest rates. And they're going to raise interest rates because they want to they head off at the pass that wage price spiral. And so the short-term inflation caused by supply chain problems arising directly from the pandemic, I expect that to finish pretty soon, that, that to be in the rearview mirror pretty soon. But that inflationary expectation-driven inflation, I'm not predicting. But that's why interest rates are going to have to go up. That's why the Fed has got to take actions. And by the way, that's also why you're not hearing about more fiscal stimulus. And the fiscal stimuluses that are out there are going to start dissipating. And, and you know, they're, they're going to, to start expiring. And that all that, the Fed and the fiscal side, should prevent that wage price spiral from happening. Good. Okay. So be wary, be worried about the wage price price inflation death spiral <laughs> so so favorite. don't so we want to do is we want we don't want people to believe there's inflation <laughs> we don't want to believe there's future inflation they, okay they there you go. current inflation but they, we don't want them to think there's going to be fit inflation in the future all right we'll do our part right now everybody listening to us the inflation for the next 12 months and then stop <laughs> So you're saying so that actually is a great segue into the very ending thing I like to ask everybody at the very end, which is what is what is one actionable thing that Amazon sellers can do today? Well, the actual thing is not be afraid of raising prices. That you can raise prices, and because your competitors are facing the same kind of price pressures, they'll have to fall suit with you. That's the actual thing. Another actual thing is if you are worried about inflation, being in inventory is actually good. Because inventories are the thing, you know, when we say prices are going out average up by 7%, well, inventories are, are going up on average by 7%. So being a little heavier in inventory right now is probably not a bad thing because it allows you, if there is in continued inflation, uh, or even if it lasts only for six more months, which is kind of my, my most negative outlook, you know, my kind of my downside outlook. Having more inventory right now is not terrible because if prices go up, you can then sell that inventory at the higher price, even though you paid the lower price buying it earlier. Good. Okay. There is your actual item. So don't be afraid of raising prices and being a little inventory heavy right now is a good thing. Yep. Everything else equal. Yep. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Christopher Erickson. Thank you for coming on, telling us all about inflation and some of the things that we should worry about and should not worry about. So I hope this uh, hope this helps everybody. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Mm -hmm.